If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Alan Davis. You are listening to the Tuesday Club. This is the Arsenal podcast. I've got Ty Papula with me. Hi, T. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm fine. Uh, international week this week, so there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do. There's no Arsenal, and we haven't even got uh, we haven't even got like an Arsenal watch because none of our players are going. Oh, well, well, I'm pleased about that. Frankly. I'm delighted by it. I don't want anyone coming back injured. But well, we've uh, gathered here today to uh, provide you with some uh, special. What would you call it? Content. Uh, filler (laughs) filler during the week off we're very lucky we're very fortunate to be asked by Centrepoint the charity who are at the Arsenal Football Club charity of the season to host a a Q&A with Arsene Wenger Martin Keown and Nigel Winterburn which took place at the Emirates in one of their um, increasingly one of the posh boxes yeah increasingly swanky corporate entertainment areas which previously looked like the inside of an open prison but now they've put (coughs) quite a lot of soft furnishings in that's where all the money's going and uh, we we got up on the stage and, uh, well, I did. You got up on the stage. I ran around with a microphone trying yeah. to uh, just get some questions from people. Uh, you wore a tie. I, I didn't. I felt a bit silly about that. That's once. why I couldn't let you on stage. No, fair it? enough. Tireless. And, um, <laughs> we, and we recorded it for your pleasure. Here it is. Thank you so much for coming. It's wonderful. This is a great turnout. This is another uh, event for Centrepoint. Uh, Arsenal's charity this season. They're trying to raise half a million pounds for a refurbishment of the centre for the homeless uh, at Centrepoint in town. And I think they're more than halfway there. And this is another great fundraising event um, towards that cause. We've got lots of questions here that some of you have written. Some of you have put your names on. I'll try and get my good friend Ty Papula who's over there from our... Ty who's uh, one of our regulars. We do a podcast, in case you didn't know, called The Tuesday Club. So he might be running around with a microphone if he can find any questions. Thanks again to all of you for coming, coming out here tonight. I'm not going to waste any more time, though. I know why you're all here. It's an opportunity, a wonderful opportunity, to spend 45 minutes uh, in the company of Arsene Wenger, Martin Keown and uh, Nigel Winterburn. So please put your hands together. Please welcome Arsene Wenger, Martin Keown and Nigel Winterburn. Exciting times. I'm going to ask the first, first question, if I may, and I'd like to ask it of Arsene. I sit by the tunnel, quite close to where you are, and um, it's fascinating to watch. I was going to ask you, why does Tony Pulis always wear that cap? 
I don't know. It's a mystery to all of us. Why do the subs warm up so far away from Pat Rice? They always warm up at the far corner flag. Then when you want to bring a sub on, Pat Rice has to come out to the edge of the technical area and whistle, an unbelievable whistle, and waving, and they're going, me? And he's pointing, no, not you, him. <laughs> We're in a 400 million pound stadium. Could we not have some better means of getting the subs up? And the, the wrong one turns up and I put him on. He said sometimes the wrong sub turns up and he puts him on anyway, so that's how. <laughs> I cannot hear, I cannot see. <laughs> Famously. <laughs> awesome. Mark Haitley, he's an ex-player of yours. Yes. At Monaco. He came out this week and he said that he was um, once offered money to not play against Marseille. When you were in French football, did everybody know what was going on at Marseille? Or was it a surprise when the story broke? Everybody knew. Really? But it's always difficult to prove you know, and uh, it was common knowledge, yes, that uh, something was not right, but uh, it's always difficult to get all together to prove that uh, in the end they were punished. Do you feel like it cost you titles at Monaco? Yeah, it's, uh, I, uh, maybe, certainly, because we were fighting always for the championship, but I don't bother about it. I, I have, if I have one quality in this job, I look always forward never backwards, because uh, one of the good things in our job is you have always a game to go, and you look at the next game and how you can win it. And I'm not somebody who looks behind me too much. So no frustration after all those years dealing with Marseille. Then you come to England, you get Arsenal to the top of the pile, the best club in the country, and Abramovich turns up. <laughs> <laughs> is it a similar feeling? No. <laughs> No, England is very, very clean. It's clean. At least you know where the money's come from, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question here from Alistair Rennie. Alistair, are you um, anywhere in the room? Would you like to ask a question or would you like me to ask it? Um, hi, Arsene. I was just wondering uh, what you consider to be Birmingham's biggest threat on Sunday. The biggest the threat? Biggest threat. I let Martin and Nigel answer that. <laughs> Um, well, it depends really what, which form of attack. I mean, Zigic is a, is a player who's, what is he, six foot five, six foot six, even more maybe. So that could be a, a route that they decide to take. I think that they'll probably pack their midfield. Uh, Gardner is, um, is a player now that's scored, what, 12 goals this season. He looks like he's coming of age. He's going to be uh, someone we need to look out for. Of course, Boyer as well will be making those runs from deep something the team's going to have to look out for. But I think it's a game that Arsenal really should be thinking about winning and going out there with total confidence, totally committing to this game. It's a final. Of course, there are other competitions that they'd like to win as well, but this is the first one to sort of cement themselves in the club's history, become winners. And I think that's very important for, the, for their mentality, for their development going forward at the club. Five, we've got a shout over there for a 5 oh, nil yeah. Arsenal win. Any more on, fi any more on five? <laughs> Mr. Wenger's remaining calm at that. They are putting a big pressure on us. But no, I, I believe that, uh, of course, uh, Zigic is a threat, but basically to be caught on contra-attack or set pieces, because he should dominate the game, maybe, but if it final was, is a final. I would be... If I were Birmingham, I would play um, two strikers, uh, Obey Femi Martins 
Um, would play them up top. I would test. I think Arsenal, when you play against Arsenal, if you invite them on, they're in, in top, top form at the moment. And I think it would just be a nightmare for, for Birmingham. And their best hope really is maybe to, I suppose they want to pack their midfield, but if they went, really went for it, they might be able to cause Arsenal problems. But really, it's about Arsenal, really. This is a final about Arsenal, about them playing their football and um, managing the, the, big, the expectations of being at a big club. And playing in a final it's a it's a final for a, the first final for a lot of players and I remember my first final it came, didn't come until Arsene Wenger the boss arrived and you tend to be sort of running around trying to do everybody else's jobs and you, you need to sort of trust your teammates it's a different mentality playing in a final as these guys are going to find out I think that uh, for me I think that Birmingham are going to sit deep I think they're going to pack pack the midfield and, and try and catch Arsenal on, on the counter-attack look for uh, free kicks, maybe just trying to get the ball wide. Uh, I think Obi Femi Martins will play. I mean, uh, he's unpredictable, but he has scored some spectacular goals. But I'm waiting to celebrate at the end of the game. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, there's a question here for you. It's a simple question. When you were playing, who did you prefer to have next to you, Martin Keown or Steve Bold? <laughs> Well, Steve Bold's not Tony here, Adams. so it's got to be Martin. <laughs> and Martin said Tony Adams was the right answer to that question. Actually, I got a lot of them out of trouble all the time. <laughs> no, listen, they were both... Listen, Martin's was a fantastic player. Everybody knows Martin here. Very, very committed. Uh, absolutely tr tr tremendous player, but... I always say about um, Steve, who I, I played with for a long, long time, that uh, I think he was one of the most underrated centre-halves around in the, uh, in the Premier League for a long, long time. He, did, he wasn't blessed with pace, but he read the game very, very well. And uh, Martin, we go back to Martin, because he's just about to kill me. He, <laughs> Martin was a, a player, as I said, he was very determined. We used to call him the rash because if you ask Martin to mark somebody, he never got a kick of the football. That's no. how high, highly I rated Nigel, Martin. Nigel, that's Craig. not why he was called the rash. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he told you. I don't want to go, I don't want to go into personal details. <laughs> I'll let you do that. Why do they call you the rash, Martin? Because of my close marking, Nigel. <laughs> There's a question from Carl Thompson. Is Carl Thompson here? Carl's down here. Ty, quick run, come on. This is, this is what you've been relegated to, it's so unfair. Carl, Carl, keep it, there he is, there he is. Yeah, I was just wondering, obviously looking at uh, old videos um, with Liam Brady, what do you think of who's the best left-footed player, Brady or Wilshire? Is Liam Brady here? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jack Wilshire is neither, so you can say what you like. <laughs> Well, uh, I didn't know well enough to compare uh, Liam Brady because uh, I didn't see him so many times, but I personally believe that Wilshire is a special talent. We have, what, what people forget to say is that we are the team who produces more English talents suddenly than everybody else because we have now Walcott, Wilshire and Gibbs uh, who play in the national team and no, no other team in England has more. Uh, players than we have to go to, uh, for the national team and uh, we have some more to come that shows that uh, combats a little bit the idea that uh, 
you have to protect the English players, I feel, at our level where we are, we want to have the best players in the world, and they learn, a good player learns when he plays with good players. And uh, uh, Wiltshire or Walcott, they develop with Fabregas, like Fabregas developed with Vieira, with Burkamp. You know, it is, when you have a child who is very gifted in music, you want him to be in the best music school. When he's gifted in the best in football, you want him to be confronted with the best players because that's where they learn. And uh, that's something that is difficult to convince people about. It is to be the best one to be with the best. And if, uh, like many people suggest in England, uh, you should protect uh, from foreign players, you will have your best English players who will go away because they will want to play with the best. And this, it is the modern world, we can criticize that, is it good or bad, but it is like that. People are used to quality, and they will not accept anymore average. Why? Because they go home, they push on TV, they take their remote control. That game is not good, I go to Spain, and I watch another game. If in Spain it's not good, I go to Italy or to Germany. Because they are used to have the best, and uh, to develop the best, is that Sounds like you got the best satellite dish, boss, by the way. I have, yes. <laughs> that is a satellite dish. It's got it? more no, than one satellite it, it dish. It is something that is very important, that the, the best players, what, what, what wants, uh, uh, a great player wants to play with another great player. Do you, do you agree Definitely. with that? Well, before you brought those great players to the club, we were kind of renowned for a team only concentrating on winning the ball back, not really trying to do anything with it. And uh, you were you also renowned for other things off the field. Uh, was I? <laughs> <laughs> Not so much you, to be fair. But, you know, I think it was about, it's about education. I think it, it was great. I mean, I, now when you say people say, oh, they can't play, they can't. of course they can. It's the manager that says they can't play. And Arsene Wenger told us we could. So suddenly we became footballers. The emphasis was on passing and playing. And um, we were you're suddenly playing with great players. And it, it, yes, it certainly improved and our And it standards. helps you. But it, does it, do you think that other clubs are following your lead in England in really making sure that young players are raised to a high technical level when they're, when they're brought to the club age 9 and 10? It strikes me that Wilshire's one of the first who's come through, who's had his whole education under your regime. Yep. Are other clubs doing that too? Uh, Wilshire, I must say, uh, we, we have a... It's a bit of a miracle because we can only, the big problem in England, we can only scout one hour under 16 away from our uh, headquarters. So to find a player who lives one hour around the stadium, who is world class, you must be a bit lucky, you know. Yeah. So we have, uh, at the age of 16, we have to fight all over the world to find the best players to have a chance to develop the way the players with our philosophy and uh, with the way we want to play the game, because, because before the age of 16, it's very difficult for us to find top, top level players. If you take uh, an English player with 16, you pay already the top price, and the more you go down age group, age-wise, the more you have chances to be wrong. And now, uh, for example, we have just signed a player from Barcelona who has created a little uh, a problem with Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we have to do. In this case, for example, this boy, his, his mother is English, so he's an English passport, in fact. Is he a midfield player? Midfield player. What sort of build? What's he look like? I like, I like to know. Strong, uh, strong build. 
Yeah? Yes. It's not one of your five foot seven. You've gone for a very short <laughs> team lately. You, you, you forgot to say that last night we were very short and we scored on set pieces yeah, well, against the team. <laughs> <laughs> we have a question from uh, Liz Anderson. Is Liz here? Liz is right here. A little change of topic. Would you be happy to have a woman referee in a premiership game? And what did you think of the Sky incident? About Would you be happier to have a female referees in the yeah, premiership? No problem, no problem. If they're honest and uh, <laughs> good looking. <laughs> when you Martin added good looking. <laughs> I didn't say that. Before your time, we Arthur, up here. there was a, there was a no, match when... No, um, frankly, frankly, it's no problem because you have, uh, it's about making good decisions. I don't, don't think that the, the sex plays a part, a role in that. There was a match, I remember, I think, Nigel, you might have played in it when we played at Millwall and the ref was micro had a microphone on. Was it Ellery? Do you remember that game? Yeah, he likes me, David Ellery. <laughs> He's a nice man. Um, there was some... Uh, the way the players talk to the referee, that might change if they had female officials. You, you no, hope. listen, I, I, I think it, it'll be good for the game. I think we have to move forward and I think we have to get away from this mentality that it, it's only a man's game. And listen, I, I'm looking forward to the, to the day that we do get a female referee to prove that, uh, you know, we're all human. We all make mistakes. We don't mean to make mistakes, but I'm with Arsene. If they are good enough, put them out there because then um, the, the people that jeer, uh, and, and what I call the morons, who don't really understand the game, will be driven away and then the true supporters will come through. I, I think it will be fantastic when we get the first female referee in the Premier League. There you go, Liz. Must be get, your, get your badges. Alan, I think it's, it must be a, just a matter of time, really, wasn't it? And I, if you think about it, if you, how aggressive that, well, I used to get on the pitch, and suddenly that you're faced with a, a, a young lady in front of you, are you going to run up to her in, the, in quite the same way? I'm not so sure. Maybe it's time to put the brakes on at that point. It might actually help the control of the players on the pitch. We have to look at it from that point of view. As long as she can make the right decisions at the right time, deal with the pressures that are going to be there then it'll be fine. At least Roy Keane's not playing anymore, so that's one thing <laughs> I don't have to worry about. Daniel Bartlett, is Daniel around? Daniel's going to invite you to fantasise in the transfer market, I think. If money wasn't an option, what player would you buy and why? If money was no option, which player would you buy? I'm very happy with the squad I have. <laughs> But, but having said that, uh, for me, the best player in the world at the moment is Messi, mm -hmm. you know, because he can uh, do anything. He can create a chance from nowhere, run with the ball at full pace, uh, change direction, uh, create openings in any defense. And uh, I think he scored uh, last Saturday uh, his 41st goal and uh, had uh, 17 assists. You know, that is uh, something exceptional at that level. Yeah. Martin, who would you buy if money was no object? And you can't have Messi. Oh, uh, probably... Um, I, I quite like Iniesta, actually. I think Iniesta is... Uh, I put him ahead of Xavi. I know we're going for Barcelona players here. Um, if it was a Real Madrid player, I think Ronaldo is uh, probably just one goal behind Messi this season. I mean, they're almost finding perfection, those two. It's quite incredible, really. Um, and a word for Real Madrid, they're only five points behind uh, Barcelona. They might even still win 
there's a you know there might even be a double on there. So, you know, I think Ronaldo, uh, but Iniesta for me, he finds little pockets of space. He's intelligent. They're almost travelling with computers. You know, uh, you know, like we sit at a desk if you're a student, but they travel with their computers strapped to their legs. Their decision making is incredible that they make. They always make the right choice. Their movement, their awareness of people around them. And then yesterday, I was watching him off the ball, what he does, for me, he's probably the best. He's a great player, but I wouldn't swap him for Wilshire, not at the moment. <laughs> no, I you said, which one would I buy? Well, who's, the, who's the best defender? Who would you buy if you had to buy a defender? Well, that's good. I mean, uh, you've got to look at uh, defenders at the prime. If, if they were at the prime, I'd be looking at maybe Vidic or, or Ferdinand. But, you know, Ferdinand's been injured. He's played since he was about 17 years of age. But for me, what's, what's important is the, why the question is so interesting is that managers are always asked, and Arsenal will always be asked, if you had money, who would you buy? And you always assume that you would spend 20, 30, 40 million pounds. But surely for me, the sign of a good manager is to pull that player into a club before he's well known and turn him into a world-class star. And that's why I look <laughs> at maybe Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira. That's... To me, that's, that's the skill of a manager, not a manager that has £150 million to go out and buy the best players in the world. And we also all, all know that sometimes you can put what we consider to be 1 to 11 best players in the world doesn't still mean that they're going to win anything. No, because Nicholas Bent is number 52. <laughs> Uh, is Mark Roberts here? <laughs> T. Mark Roberts is over the back there. Evening, Mr. Wenger. Um, at some point in the future, hopefully a long time in the future, you'll be retiring from management. Um, who would you like to... Who do you see or who would you like to be your successor? And when that happens, will you move upstairs and still stay in the club in some sort of um, participatory factor, function? Or you know what I mean? <laughs> Who would you, do you have anyone in mind as a successor and will you stay on upstairs overseeing? I don't know, uh, I, I believe that uh, what is very important in the club is that uh, everybody does his job and not more. And uh, many football clubs die uh, of the fact that people uh, do things that they should not do at the club because uh, the danger in our job is everybody has an opinion and uh, I always fight inside our club with the staff that we are not interested in your opinion, do your job, you know. I'm paid uh, to be the manager of Arsenal Football Club, a club that uh, I love now, of course, because uh, I'm here for so long and it's part of my life. And, uh, but it's down to the board to choose the next manager because that's a position that is vital in England for the level of the club because there's so many aspects in, in that job, and you will only see uh, people. There are plenty. I, I always used to say, not because they are here, but that all the players I had when I arrived can do the job here. Uh, some a bit more technical, some a bit more uh, relation, but they, they have all the intelligence to do it. But this job is a sacrifice of your life. And uh, do you want to do it? That's the decision where you have to make because that's, it's that and nothing else. And I, I uh, do not really exaggerate there. It's only that. It's nothing else. It's when you go to bed, you think about it. When you wake up, it is your job. 
and every day of, you, of the season. But there's so many aspects, scouting, buying, negotiating, preparing the games, uh, being here tonight. And uh, who, who wants to do that? It's not me to choose that. It's just I, I would like to help the next guy to do it, the job better than I do it. And uh, I would like to think that when I leave the club one day, the guy is in a condition to do well, that he has a, a team who is young enough, talented enough, to push the club even higher up than it is now, because this club has even more potential when we have paid the debt, we can even become uh, stronger. So I, my job at the moment is to prepare the next, that is in a good condition, and to the board to choose the next manager. I hope the board ask your advice. Excuse me. <laughs> when the time comes. Excuse me. The question is, who would you like to see to succeed you? Not what you would help to do the man do. Mm. A guy who has uh, already uh, handled uh, the top level okay. before, because it's a club where there's a massive pressure and uh, who has a credibility with the players as well. That's important to get to attract players. Do they feel they can improve? Uh, it's difficult for me to give you a name tonight. If a board asks me, I'll give them my opinion, but I'm not even sure I know who. Because I've got a guy... I don't know... Uh, <laughs> sorry? Are you, are you offering? No. <laughs> but I know a man who can. No, because there's a lot of talk amongst people, and there is one man who's been spoken about. But if you don't wish to commit a name, that's fair enough, but... I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear. Who have you got in mind? A lot of people have been talking about Pepe Guardiola of Barcelona. Oh, we're going to get half their players and their manager. (laughs) (laughs) Is this how we're going to win the second leg? We've got a manager. (laughs) At least we wouldn't have to pay any transfer fees, would we? (laughs) And there's a a question here from... uh, It just says Tony. It's a question for Arsene. In your experience, what has changed the most in the game over the last 30 years? What's, what's the effect been? What has changed on the pitch? Or? On the pitch, yeah. On the pitch, the pace of the game, uh, the technical level, and uh, what has changed is less space available to make decisions. When when, uh, it would be interesting for some people to go come on the bench and to see how quick the game is, because when I sit sometimes in the stand, you lose a little bit that uh, impression of huge pace. And what strikes me is you, you sit on the bench when the guy gets the ball, oh, you have a solution there. When you just think about it, the solution is already gone. That means if he has not seen the solution before, it's already finished for him. And the, the speed of a decision-making is something that strikes me the most. You have no time available at all. And the closer you get to the opponent goal, the more that time is reduced. For example, uh, at the back, you have one to two seconds to make a decision. In midfield, 0.5 to one second when it goes well. When you go in the final third, it's 0.1 to 0.2 seconds maximum to make a decision. And uh, that is something exceptional. And it gets faster, faster and faster. Just losing it as an example, it's a bit like, if you ever broke down on the motorway, and suddenly you have to get out of your car and you notice how fast everyone's going. It's a bit like that sitting down on the bench. 
You're sat in your car, you don't realise until you have to, you break down and you get out on the hard shoulder and it's whizzing past you and that's what it's like down on that bench. I'm glad I never sat on that bench for too long. <laughs> <laughs> you would be now if you're in the squad, pal. Yeah, I think Nigel's about 200 games up on you, Martin. Outside of the game, it has changed, of, of course, as well, because we... Uh, it's less patience. Uh, we live in, in a society that has gone... Uh, before, when I grew up, it was a little bit a vertical society. That means your boss tells the guy underneath what he has to do, and it goes down. Today, we live in a more horizontal society. That means any minute, at any second, everybody has an opinion about what you do and what you say. And, uh, and that has changed dramatically, because uh, if you make one statement, Half an hour later, you have thousand reactions about what you said, what was never before the case, and that uh, takes a little bit uh, patience away, and takes tolerance away, and uh, everybody's opinionated. And what is great in football, but as well bad, is everybody can be right. And you only know if you're right or wrong once you have played the game. If you won, you think, okay, I've done something right. If you lose, the opinion goes through the society on a horizontal way and everybody has knowledge about it. And that has increased a lot the pressure on every single decision you make. Is this because there's so much more media, the internet? And yeah, the of course. Uh, the, the, it has brought a lot of good things because people are informed, but the, the pressure on people who make real work and act has become enormous because they are always always questioned and criticized and you need to be extremely strong because uh, if you look at the number of opinions some are right uh, about my decisions that I was wrong I, I make wrong decisions of course but uh, any decision is questioned do you buy or do you not buy when you not don't buy even more because in England people sort every problem out you lose a game people wait for me outside buy a player <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and, uh, and it is like that. That means that has changed, really. There's a question from Russell Walkers. Russell? Russell's asking who is the technical most technically skill? gifted player? In throughout Burkham, maybe. Burkham. Van Persie as well, great technique. Van Persie is technically equal to Dennis, do you think? Great first touch. Uh, he's more striker type than Dennis. Dennis was more distribution. But uh, I must say at our level, we have all exceptional technique. It, it, it's amazing what, what uh, the quality of the technique in our squad is, uh, is amazing. That's that what makes our strengths. Because all we, are, we are very mobile and, and technically gifted. What was it like when Bergkamp arrived at training the first time? <laughs> I can't believe you're asking me that question. <laughs> Did you oh, have to listen, mark Dennis, him? Listen, I've, I've said uh, many a time since I've, I've left this football club that Dennis Bergkamp, in my opinion, was the best ever player that I played with at Arsenal Football Club. Absolutely sensational. Not only was he, um, he a scorer of wonderful goals, but his craft, his ability to see the pass before anybody else saw it, 
was absolutely amazing. And, uh, I, I, you know, I've always said on many occasions, it was an honour and a privilege to play with him. It was, I just thought he was an absolutely amazing player. Yeah. And Martin... I think, um, I think actually uh, it was also a demonstration to the fans and to, and to the players that the club was going in a different direction because we missed out on lots of players over the years. And all of a sudden the club went out on a limb and went out and bought Dennis Burkamp. I know they bought David Platt as well, but they went out and bought Dennis Burkamp. Don't get everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a show of, it was demonstration of power really by the club. And I think it was Danny Fisman, I think it was David Dean, that both of them decided to, to put, basically back it. They, backed, they put the money up themselves. Um, and it was a great move. It was a catalyst really for a, a lot of success that was to follow because without Dennis already being here, I think that made it a little bit easier for the boss that um, once Patrick came in as well and he could put Anelka around him and Anovamars, all players that the boss brought in, Dennis was able to find those passes for those players. We were talking while we were sitting before we started about Dennis and there was another side to Dennis apart from the silky skills. When you, he could look after himself too, couldn't he? Dennis was actually, I mean, he's quite a character in the dressing room, you know. He was, he, he, you know, he was um, practical jokes all the time. If I came in with a dodgy shirt, it was hanging up on the highest hook. You couldn't reach it. You had to get a stepladder out to try and reach it. And Dennis had put it there. You know, Dennis, he was ruthless with his banter. Um, he's, he's one player, actually, I worried about most when they finish because he can't really, he doesn't really reach out to people, Dennis, and he, but he likes people around him. And it's difficult for him when you finish. You know, it's having, you have that network of people that live in your life, really. And for Dennis, because he's such a superstar, he can't really mingle. Uh, but he was a great personality, great fun to be around. And uh, boss, I know you were, you know, he was a great, he had to be in control of everything he did. He had, he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, in fact, uh, a little bit uh, a common uh, thing with all the great, great players, technically very strong. They need to be in control of what's happening around them. And uh, when they lose that sense of control, is it in a game of the referee or the opponent, they panic a little bit and they have sometimes uh, impulsive reactions. That was Dennis was about. Uh, uh, we spoke about Zidane, who has been, uh, uh, had red, eight red cards, but every time he got a red card is because when he lost the ball, you know? And it was frustration, because they want to be in control. And if you referee the game, they want to referee it as well. With, with Dennis, if you'd have told us that, we might have put him on a flying course. And if he was at the controls, he might have actually <laughs> flown everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Got if he wasn't in control, license. he wouldn't get on a plane, would he? <laughs> uh, Charlotte Kenny, is Charlotte here? Who have you been most impressed with this season and why? Do you want to go first or want me to go? Who, well, who listen, I, impressed by in the squad this I always um, look at this Arsenal team and, and as Arsenal's been saying, everybody today is very quick to make um, judgment on players. And I've been saying since the start of this uh, season, people always just talk to me. Obviously, I always look at the defence because I play defensively. And the one player that I think will turn out to be a big, big player for this football club is Koscielny. I think he's... Uh, I love his, his mental strength. Um, I remember a game early in the season where he uh, had a clash of heads and he went down and I'm thinking, oh, foreign player. I'd love to see what happens here. He was st straight back up and the next tackle, he went into a 50-50. And that for me shows great mental strength. And I think that eventually, he's, he still makes one, of, one or two errors, but I, I don't like judging a player over six months or a year. I like to judge a player over a couple of seasons. So I think by the end of next season, 
I think you'll see a fantastic partnership with uh, Cosioni and whoever the boss wants to put <laughs> in alongside him. Martin, who's impressed you? Uh, well, I think there's a group, actually. I think the goalkeeper, we must start with Chesney in goal. He's been uh, first class. You know, I think when you're a youngster and you go into that game, it, it seems to me the golfers don't reach their peak until they're sort of, you know, their 30s almost. So it's most of the game is played in their mind. And last night he demonstrated that he had nothing to do for 20 minutes. Then he pulled off a fantastic save against Carew, where maybe in the past those things have been going in and it undoes the whole team. It really gives you that confidence if you're playing in front of a, a goalkeeper that's sound and solid and gives you good information. Kashalny, of course, is, I like him because of his intelligence, the way that he's able to defend. He moves around very economically. Uh, he's an intelligent football and he's technical. I like that. It Made him sound a bit it, lazy then. It seems as if... No, 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 because I think he uses his energy well. I think he's, there's more to come because I think him, for him it's about getting stronger. He's probably... You know, he's developed quicker than I think maybe they wanted him to because I think... I don't know the boss, what the boss would have done with him, but he was maybe one for next season because he's been forced to play him. I think he's almost jumped ahead of his development. He had an outstanding signs. game against Barcelona, I thought. It was, Did it you was quite pleased with him against brilliant. Barcelona? Yeah, I must say I'm impressed by the whole squad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a bit laughable, but as a manager, I must say, it's uh, really the impression I have it's a privilege to work with them because they are humble, intelligent, hungry, talented, and uh, because there is so much used to hear about the youth nowadays that uh, they have no respect. And uh, to see that, that group of players to behave like they do is absolutely exceptional. And I must say as well, uh, people forget when we played against Barcelona, it was an interesting statistic. Uh, our team was 23.4 years average age and Barcelona was 27.8. And I, if we can keep our players together for the next four years, when I see where they are now, what hopefully uh, Touchwood we can deliver, but this group has a really, a really promising future. If uh, Touchwood again, we can keep them together. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should forget as well uh, Wiltshire. I mean, all of the players really are developing together. Nazari for me as well this year has come good. You know, yeah. if you look at what he did to England in a French shirt, you know, he's a top, top player. Well, let's hope that France don't pick him ever again. <laughs> He'll stay at home for every World Cup. There's a question here. It's not, no one's written the name on it, Arsene. We've, I think we're wrapping up quite soon. I'll, I'll rattle through a few more. Um, if Arsenal were playing in La Liga, how many times would you have won it? <laughs> it's difficult to, to, uh, to, but it's an interesting uh, comparison because in Spain now, uh, in England, the league is very difficult because we share the television rights uh, with equal shares. In Spain, what makes the difference is that uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, they sell their own television rights individually. They do not share with other teams. So, of course, uh, when you're Real Madrid, you can sell for 200 million euros. Uh, if you're Levante, you get 10. In England, we share the whole package with the 20 clubs. And that means that the league is much more competitive. And I believe that that decision has transformed 
a little bit uh, the Spanish league into the Scottish league. It's uh, Celtic, Rangers, and Barcelona, Real Madrid, and the rest has no chance anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me, uh, we go to Spain, we will have to beat Real Madrid and Barcelona uh, to win the league, and that's extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we have to wrap up. It's been fascinating to hear you speak. Just one last question. Are you excited about Sunday? Are you looking forward to it? I'm uh, excited and nervous, and I hope uh, that uh, we will all be happy on Sunday night and that the nerves don't get too much. As Martin said, it's the first final of this group, and uh, the job will be for me to keep them uh, calm and focused. And uh, after it's a final, uh, you have to accept that... Uh, uh, that makes the interest of the game as well, but I'm confident we can, we can do it. That's fantastic. Sesk uh, will unfortunately not play on Sunday. Oh. And uh, Theo, is co of course, we knew already last night that he will not be capable to play because he has a, an ankle problem. And uh, there are the two players who we will miss on Sunday. But, but uh, we'll do it for them as well. He will be fit. Uh, you will all find out the team at 3.30 three <laughs> on Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, please will you thank Nigel Winterberg, Martin Keogh and Arsene Wenger. Thank you. Thank you.